everyone, welcome back to another episode of Watch, Barter, and Banter. This is our, what now, Caleb, third? Third episode. Third episode, <laughs> yeah. Uh, how have you been during these circumstances? <laughs> uh, I've been alive and functional, so yeah. Yeah. That is, yeah. Like anybody who has been directly affected by this lockdown, um, I'm pretty sure many of us have once again, if not more so, have turned to our favorite movies. And I thought it'd be interesting to choose two movies that were from our childhood. Yeah. So this is a nostalgic-themed episode, 80s edition? Yeah. Yeah. Both these movies were from the 80s. So for today, first on the docket is... The Goonies. And this was your choice for me because I've never seen it. Yep. Quick rundown. What is The Goonies about? So The Goonies is about a group of misfits from a small town that are in danger of having their homes taken down so that they could build some sort of golf course resort place. And these kids end up going on an adventure to look for some lost treasure in hopes to reclaim the the land that is rightfully theirs. Mm, topical. Yep. <laughs> is that not... That's always a topical theme. Yeah. What was your exposure to this movie so, as a kid? When I first saw the movie, I remember it was in elementary school. One of my my elementary school best friends was saying, oh, The Goonies, this is a great movie. And we ended up watching it in class for some sort of class like movie day. And it was like, I didn't really want to watch the movie to be completely honest. I was like, ah, it's like The Goonies. Who cares about this? But ended up watching it and loving this movie. I was like, oh, this is like such a kid adventure movie. And it felt like, it felt like, like a grand adventure you would want to go on with your friends. So this movie is kind of sentimental. It reminds me of just that time in class where we all watched it together. The adventure, just thinking about childhood and the shenanigans you'd want to get into with people. Yeah, I really, I genuinely really love this movie. Yeah, the appeal of this movie, and again, first time watching it, it's immediately instantaneous, right? Like this was something I think every little kid wished what happened to them you know you just find some random mystical object that in a dusty attic or basement somewhere and it just leads you on to this crazy adventure that was something i think every little north american kid wanted to happen to them and this movie definitely i think is a prime example of that type of fantasy yeah may i ask you so mm -hmm. did you actually enjoy the movie um maybe not as much as i wanted to and that's always the problem with watching classics i find especially any type of movie where everyone is going to tell you every person off the street to like somebody who works for the criterion collection they're going to bug you to you have to watch this it's essential and then you finally watch the thing and it doesn't have the effect on you the way it's supposed to and then you kind of feel dumb about it and I don't know whether it's like maybe due to age or just taste. Like, I do like the movie. I'm glad that I watched it and I wouldn't mind watching it again. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I liked a lot of aspects of the movie, but I feel like the flow kind of really wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to be. So what is it about like, what do you mean by the flow wasn't as smooth as you would want it to be? I guess maybe like the setup and payoffs weren't 
as you used the word manicured at one point, mm-hmm. right? Because like we were talking about the influence that this movie has had on so many other movies and TV shows. Like, mm-hmm. of course, Stranger Things was like the first thing that came to mind, yeah. right? Goonies fingerprints are all over Stranger Things. And I was comparing to like the frenetic energy of Stranger Things to the frenetic energy of the Goonies. And I was saying how I was having trouble following the Goonies a bit just because Mm -hmm. all the kids were bouncing off the walls Mm -hmm. too much. But I was like, oh no, Stranger Things was able to pull that type of energy off, but you're still able to follow them. But you were saying you made a really great point that the pacing of Stranger Things was still a lot more manicured. Yeah, I think it, it's one of those situations where hindsight's twenty twenty. The Goonies set the benchmark for a lot of kid adventure movies for, mm. for well, even now, even Stranger Things as a prime example. You, when you have hindsight, you can make things a little bit more cohesive. I think the thing that you were mentioning is that the kids were really bantery and would talk over one another and yeah. would just all over each other. And I think for me, that's one of the major selling points of this movie. I actually really liked that because right. it reminded me of my childhood and it reminded me of like, I've done a lot of work with, with kids at like, uh, like Bible camps and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that's what kids are like. Oh yeah. No, They're... it's the performances in this movie are incredibly mm-hmm. authentic and incredible considering their age range and just yeah having kids on set that's always another added challenge Mm -hmm. to just making a movie which is already an uphill climb right i know richard donner apparently the director of this movie he had it was not a pleasant experience for him yeah i think he enjoyed the kids but (laughs) kids can be a handful and i imagine having to get oh my goodness no having to get kids kids to do stuff is one of the most emotionally and mentally taxing things. I remember even this one year when I was at Bible camp, I was working with some really small kids. And oh my goodness, it was like having to think for five individual people with five individual needs on top of myself, Mm -hmm. trying to mobilize them to move to one place. Okay, we have an event here, we have an event here, we have an event here. And you're like, this is... So like working at a professional level with the kids like that would be fun. Yeah, it would be fun. Fun. And very... Fun. Yeah, quote unquote. Um, Yeah, but it's... it's, Yeah, I could only imagine how challenging this was. You know, there's that, of course, old saying in Hollywood, never work with animals and never work with children. And they both have wranglers, so you know. Yeah, and... um, it's the 80s. I would hope each one of them had Wranglers to watch over them. <laughs> but like, it it's was the 80s. Wild time. Yeah, they could do anything with children back then. They've done a lot of, uh, yeah, really questionable shit <laughs> to just actors in general mm. back then. <laughs> so, but yeah, what they were able, what these kids, uh, these actors at their age at the time were able to pull off was nothing short of amazing Mm -hmm. right and you have sean astin and uh my personal favorite uh ki ki hui juan Mm -hmm. who i know is short round from indiana jones Mm -hmm. (laughs) Corey feldman it's just weird that josh brolin was in this movie i know thanos himself was a was a goonie yeah, it's always crazy to see where the biggest A-lister started, mm-hmm. right? It's like, 
when you like I don't know when you're watching whatever Hollywood program and then there's this segment of this is where they started and mm. then they pop they show like Tom Hanks in like a SpaghettiOs commercial or something mm. like that yeah, and you're like wow they were mortal ones yeah true enough yeah it's weird that sean astin was in this movie you're like oh my goodness he was like such a baby face little kid oh, you're God, like, oh. yeah i'm not i'm not surprised like he yeah he he's considered an 80s 90s darling mm-hmm. right yeah and just this movie alone he, there's no wonder why they wanted him for what Season two, a Stranger Things, a Stranger yeah. Things, or season three? I forget Se- which season one. Season two. Season two. Yeah, yeah, that's just perfect. In terms of themes, what did you feel was a strong theme for you that re- really resonated with you within this movie? Um, I definitely think friendship, mm. friendship and courage were definitely themes of this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that uh, what's his name, Mikey, played by Sean Astin, his whole catchphrase "Goonies never say die," mm-hmm. and how he was the wide-eyed, optimistic leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's such a trope in a lot of these types of movies. Every time there's a gang of kids, there's that one leader mm-hmm. who's gonna believe they're gonna make it against the odds. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, to just stick together. And then, of course, also, ironically enough, uh, it's very anti-capitalist or anti-rich, despite the fact that it's so much product placement in it. Well, you know what? You gotta pay for the film somehow. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You gotta pay for the film somehow. Um, Yeah, those were the themes I, I, I took from the movie. And it was pretty all, like, you know... It is what it is. You get what you get, right? Mm. I, I wish I could have some clever interpretation about it. But yeah, mm. it was just about a ragtag team of kids that wanted to stop their town from getting foreclosed just so they can build a country club. Mm-hmm. Like, those things must have happened. I, mean, I imagine. I, yeah, yeah. But it, it's, 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 it's always such a weird thing to think about because I understand to the point where if, if you can't pay your mortgage or whatever... <laughs> The bank technically owns your building, but the entire neighborhood. Yeah, so like, it's just like it might, it was like I don't... the entire town. Like, is that legal to buy out like a giant portion? Well, I guess of... if if the bank if you can't pay for it, it's like. But every single person couldn't pay for it. I just potentially found that it could odd. the town that could just not be making money. There's some towns where it's like the, oh, the main true. industries like shut down for whatever reason. Something new comes out. Right. Yeah. It's like if there's a town that had Blockbuster exclusively and that was their main source of revenue, then. Oh my god, that would be Netflix very sad. Comes out, hey, we got Stranger Things now. Yeah, or yeah, you hear about like mining down towns yeah, getting like closed. Yeah, town. So it could be one of those situations. So yeah, they but, didn't go too much into that. Yeah, I, I think it, the thing about this movie that I, it's it's very much in terms of the the plot. It's very uh, toned down for the for kids to understand. It's like, yeah, the city is under. We it's gonna be sold. We're gonna have to move away, and it's like okay. Oh, but we found a treasure map conveniently on the day before the papers are supposed to be signed. Let's go look for this this treasure for this that was this full of bully beach booby traps. Yeah. What do you think about the villains in this? The villains in this, they were fun. I don't really remember too much about them. Well, you know what they did kind of remind me of? You have like the tough mom and her idiot sons. Yeah, so there were three of them. 
Um, their dynamic really reminded me of the quote-unquote villains in uh, the Ghibli movie Castle in the Sky. Mm. Laputa, have you ever no, watched that one? Movie. But it, it, like in that one too, it's very much about these uh, sky pirates mm. and they're chasing down these two kids because the girl has this magical stone <laughs> mm. that can lead to a floating island in the sky with a lot of treasure. Mm. Yeah. I feel like these ideas were very much an 80s things for kids. But in any case, their entire dynamic from the Goonies reminded me of these villains from the Ghibli movie Laputa, Castle in the Sky. And in that movie, they had a group of villains that was led by like this robust, tough broad of a woman. Mm -hmm. And she had these idiot sons that were basically her team and she would like bark orders at them mm -hmm. and they'd be like scrambling just to follow her orders. But she was definitely the brains of the operation. Mm -hmm. It really uh, reminded me of that. Yeah. I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> I like the uh, I like the intro scene of this movie where they get the, the one son out of jail and they're driving away. And then the mom's just like driving and eating a salty. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this it's just like whatever. She's just like whatever. This is just part for the course for us. Yeah, exactly. Actually, the opening sequence is so good. I like how it establishes all the, mm -hmm. the main characters and it really gives you a view of a little bit of their personalities. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's a fantastic opening and it really reels you in. Mm -hmm. And it's so clever. The chase scene just passing by all yeah. of these kids and they have no idea that the worlds are about to collide. Mm -hmm. My favorite part is with um, the, the, the moment with Mouth where he's in the kitchen and his dad or whatnot tells mm -hmm. him to turn off the TV that has a... Also, a black and white car scene. Oh, yeah. And he's like, ah. yeah. <laughs> and he turns it off. And then the, the actual car chase is happening right outside his window. And he has no idea. Mm -hmm. That was brilliant. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, and not only um, is this movie filled with a lot of big names in front of the camera, the people behind the camera, holy crap. Mm. Is impressive. Well, it is Spielberg, so he yeah. produced the movie. Along with Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> and Richard Donner is no slouch either. He yeah. directed the first two Superman movies with Christopher Reeve. He's done The Omen. Um, yeah, Lethal Weapon. So, yeah, like legendary people yeah. behind this movie. And made another legendary movie themselves, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, um... When it comes to watching these older movies too, when they're all obviously a product of its time in mm -hmm. terms of like some specific jokes about women mm -hmm. or kids who are overweight mm -hmm. or with disabilities, like mm -hmm. how do you cope with that? Well, I think it, it comes down to knowing that it's a product of its time. We can look back on it and it's like, yeah, we shouldn't have treated, people shouldn't have been treating one another the way they did. Yeah. But you have to recognize, like, hum humanity, we're always on a constant stream of progress. Yeah. So as much so as we can look back and say something was atrocious, which it is, we can just look back and say, this was what it was. And we, we, can, we can do better. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I often felt bad for Chunk. Yeah. <laughs> the way he was written. Uh, at the same time, too, they wrote a lot of amazing things for his character. Yeah. Like, he was... Captain Chunk. <laughs> yeah, and he was brave, and it was full of personality. Mm-hmm. Even when he was a victim, he just was filled with so much personality. He was great. But, like, yeah, you, you see, like, not just him, but all of the tropes in in this movie. Maybe they weren't even tropes when this movie was made, but you see it repeat it constantly throughout so many other 80s movies about kids in the Mm -hmm. 90s and the early 2000s and yeah again right up to stranger things and um even super eight right oh right super Super eight Eight, which is of course um i think a call back to the 70s that movie took place in the 70s i think i think so i'm just like remembering the costumes i think it was the 70s i can't don't remember i really liked super 8 i like super 8 too Mm -hmm. but like then i remember um last night too we watched recess Mm. and again recess that tv show just tj Mm -hmm. everything right down to how his design Mm -hmm. to his voice Mm -hmm. just sounded exactly like sean astin the the leader inspire the like yeah the inspire who can rally yeah rally the group together in order to accomplish a common goal yeah and then like to make things confusing mikey from recess the you know the chubby kid always has food on his mind (laughs) and that's such a prevalent stereotype there's some kids that just like many i get that but like when that's like their only defining factor like yeah i think um i never watched this particular movie but i I watched a review of it um richie rich you never watched Richie Rich? I never watched oh, Richie Rich. Yeah, the I Macaulay really Culkin. Yeah. yeah, but I know there's, once again, like a fat kid in that one where he's just like constantly just talking about food and that's his character. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. Just, sometimes we, yeah, things are made a little bit one dimensional for kids. Right, yeah. Which I kind of get, but mm-hmm. kids are so intelligent, you know? And um, also kids too. <laughs> Well, yeah, they're kids Yeah, I know, too. I know they are. Kids are very intelligent. But, but uh, yeah. yeah, but I feel like, I, I think the kid movies mm-hmm. that truly leave an impact on us are the ones that aren't afraid to, to be honest with us and treat children as an intelligent audience, which they are. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Goonies, yeah, like, yes, well, it has its problems, certainly, especially compared to our modern sensibilities. Mm -hmm. Um, This movie, you could tell the people behind it, they really tried Mm -hmm. and wanted to make a quality story for children. And Mm -hmm. they weren't afraid to scare the kids because it was the 80s. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, they just traumatized kids, whatever. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, they can take it. They can take it, whatever. (laughs) Um, But this movie had just had some fantastic atmosphere and yeah yeah and knew how to cater to children and entertain them and is yeah it's a it's a great joy ride yeah this movie just makes me think of child just it made you realize like this is an actualization of like all the the fantasy games that you would play with your friends Mm -hmm. so that's one thing i liked about it i like even the even like the themes in terms of themes like the, the idea of friendship the idea of um being brave and sticking together like goonies never say die it's like don't give up that's why I really like those aspirational aspects of this movie. Just trying to, yeah, trying to, to overcome whatever circumstances. And one thing I really appreciate about, about this movie, it seems like every character had something to contribute in terms of the the wider scope of accomplishing the goal. Even like Mouth, 
like you find out he could speak Spanish and you find at the beginning of the movie he's just interpreting that that oh scene my goodness, it's made so... me really uncomfortable I'll, I'll be honest like again i get like the second time watching it too i realized that okay this is this is actually cleverly disguised exposition mm-hmm. right yeah because that's you, true, yeah. you needed to know that he spoke spanish fluently and that way he was able to read the map, yeah. right? And that is his contribution to getting things rolling, mm-hmm. right? But it's just like him trolling that poor housekeeper. Oh my goodness. That poor woman, she's just there to make a living, mm-hmm. kid. And you're just... just What a nasty kid. Oh, oh what awful. And then um, another one of my favorite politically incorrect moments is at the end when... What Josh Brolin's character, his name is Brand mm-hmm. or whatnot, the big brother. Yeah. He starts making out with what's her name? Uh, Andy, the, the cheerleader mm-hmm. uh, that he's been crushing on the entire movie. They start making out and his parents are looking on and the mom goes, uh, let her parents worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> it's just. Like, oh man! Oh, double standards, whatever. It's not our kid that's gonna get pregnant, that's whatever. Uh... <laughs> it's like let her parents worry about it. Oh man! Oh my god! Yeah, times have changed. Uh, it's but yeah, like in terms of for me, um, for me, like when I watch any movies this far back or even farther, um. Yeah, like, I, I just try to, if anything, I just find it funny, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that that I, used I, to be the standard for, like, that used to be commonplace for people to think and behave in such a way. Yeah, and, like, it, it's, you know, it's not to say that we have everything figured out right now. We sure as hell do not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think we need to get into detail about that. But, like, um yeah, it, it it is funny to just laugh at those moments to see, wow, that was acceptable back then, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to now, at least I think we're way more aware and definitely sensitive mm-hmm. to, to that type of mentality and knowing, mm-hmm. you know, the harm uh, it, it can do if we're not careful. That's fair. Yeah, yeah so... But all in all, uh, yeah, this was a great choice. Like, it was always the type of movie I saw. I always saw the cover art mm-hmm. for the VHS, mm-hmm. uh, like, everywhere. Yeah, it was just never something that ended up being rented, I mm-hmm. guess. So, yeah, but it, it's nice to finally watch something that was um, that's so iconic. And mm-hmm. now I know what, what it is. Yeah. 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 And on that note, what movie did you recommend for me? The Neverending Story. Yep, I had not seen this. I actually, even echoing what you just said, I, I think I knew of the Neverending Story. Of course, and yeah. I think I had seen like clips of it on television, and it just never really drew my eye. Yeah. So I, I, I just went through life and avoided it. When it was presented, I never actually engaged with it, and I just had no interest in looking to see this movie. So. It was good that you recommended it to me. Yeah. So for me, yeah, the never-ending story, I think my mom rented it when I was pretty young, like six, five. And yeah, I don't think it was a movie I watched again and again as a kid, mm-hmm. but it definitely 
left enough of an impression that I look back on it with fond memories. Mm -hmm. It's not one of those things you were exposed to as a kid and you forget about it. Mm. Like, it's so iconic that it's always there in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, sometimes a cartoon movie would pop up and I'd be like, oh my god, I forgot that existed. But with NeverEnding Stories, I would say it is very much as iconic as the Goonies. Mm. Um, if anything, not to spoil it for you, but it is very heavily referenced in the latest season of Stranger Things. I'm not mm. going to say how, oh, yeah, but... I still need to finish season three of Stranger Things. Yeah. I've been still behind. Right. Uh... Yeah, so the never-ending story is basically about this shy, introverted kid named Bastion who is dealing with the death of his mother. And uh, one day after escaping a run-in with some bullies, he wanders into this bookstore with a curmudgeon owner and ends up swiping or borrowing, quote-unquote borrowing the, um, this book from him entitled The Never-Ending Story. And then he escapes into the dusty attic of his school to skip class and unknowingly starts the reading session of his life <laughs> yeah you can put it that way yeah so what was your initial impression of this movie i really liked this movie uh yeah it was interesting i liked the the playback between the uh bastion's world and then the story world and how you'd see bastion's reaction to it it kind of reminds me of the princess bride in that regard right yeah, yeah. yeah. um just the back and forth and seeing how the the book was affecting Bastion and how... But yeah. yeah. I, I, in terms of themes, I really liked a lot of the themes in this movie. Um, before we go into the themes, I really liked the the set, the, the, like the design of the, the sets and then all the things, how things were done practically. Oh I my really God, yeah. I really appreciate that. Well, they say that all the time. Like that is the charm of so many 80s and even 90s movies. Mm-hmm that everything was done practically mm-hmm. like they use actual puppets and you know machinery to create whatever fantastical creature and you know that it's there mm-hmm. it might look maybe sometimes even dubious but you know that there's something there yeah. instead of like a floating tennis ball that they have to react to yeah, <laughs> yeah. like the sets in this movie are amazing yeah you know even everything from like the attic set there's just so much atmosphere you know it's dusty you have the light coming in through the window to the amazing fantastical sets Mm -hmm. especially the exterior sets Mm -hmm. that were of course built inside Mm -hmm. um are just amazing because they would have lakes running through Mm -hmm. or like a full-on you know marsh pit we'll get to that part a full-on freaking swamp indoors and you're like how the heck did they do this can you imagine money and can you imagine the money and time and effort and like now i'm thinking too god did the cleanup after that especially the swamp of sadness i wonder if how much of how many sets like that are reused or just disassembled and reappropriated for something else like i would hope that somebody would get a second use out of that same set and then just throw a few things in but yeah it was a very amazing endeavor like even that rock guy was just eating the the granite yeah so that's one thing i liked about this movie uh i like mm-hmm. the themes of this movie 
it was more sophisticated, I would say, than the Goonies. Just the storytelling and the the type of story. Uh, even though I do like the Goonies' rambunctious energy, I did like the focused, narrowed scope of this movie and how there's a lot of different layers to the metaphors within the story. Definitely. I like how we kind of picked movies that are on opposing sides of the spectrum in yes, a way. Yeah. One is very high energy, bouncing off the walls, go, go, go. Mm. And with a never-ending story, it's... It's still very much about a journey, about mm-hmm. an adventure, going from point A to point B, but just the tone of it, it's a lot more slow yeah. and meditative yeah. and very philosophical, this yes. movie. I I haven't seen this movie in years. This is when I watched it with you, that was the first time in literally years I've seen it mm-hmm. from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And I was like... There were times I found myself getting really bored. I'm like, good God, can you like pick up the pace here, please? You felt bored watching. I, I didn't feel bored like at any point in time watching this movie. Really? I felt like, oh man, this is slow. <laughs> Especially, I think, didn't we watch it right after The Goonies? So I think... Oh, I get it. It's definitely not as high energy. Yeah, so for Goonies, it was like too all over the place. And then with... You <laughs> burned yourself out watching The Goonies. You're like, okay. Yeah, yeah. But um, was there a particular scene in this movie that stood out to you? Oh, man. Um, I think the end was uh, when Bastion and uh, the Child Empress. Yeah. When it had, like, it, the movie goes super meta and you're like, oh. Super you're meta. like, oh, they can... I guess they, they, they hint at it, like, throughout the, the of movie. Of course, yeah. But when she's like, Bastion, you need to give me my... Why don't you do what's right? Yeah, and, oh my know. god, when she breaks that fourth wall. Yeah. Yeah, and they always say when you do that type of shot when you have the actor look right down the barrel of the camera, it is incredibly jarring. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. somebody's talking to me. You're like, ooh, who am I? Yeah. And it, it's just, like, I really, I really like that. I, I, this movie, I, I, it's I, super meta. Yeah, that I think one of that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. I think the thing I like about the movie is just the idea of the the main like the uh, core theme is just overcoming grief. Yeah. So and like trauma. So and it's interesting how like Atreyu is uh, Bastion's proxy and of like who he wants to be in a lot of ways. Yes, uh, definitely. That was foreshadowed too by some of the production design and mm. prop design. Yeah. Uh, when we first see Bastion like waking up from a nightmare at the very beginning, mm-hmm. we see a picture of a Native American mm-hmm. um, above his bed. And then there's also a Native American on embroidered into his backpack Yeah, or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, like Atreo is definitely his proxy and i think in general yeah one of the themes of never-ending story is very much about the audience embodying the protagonist the hero Mm -hmm. right that is yeah especially um like you could say this with any type of medium storytelling medium theater movie watching but especially i think reading Mm -hmm. just the power of reading because there's just so something there's something way more intimate, I think, about reading the story because yeah. you're you're not only creating the images in your head, but you also know exactly what the characters are feeling mm-hmm. because it's yeah. It, it, the illustrated way it's narrated to you through the through the author, but yeah, yeah you're the one who 
ultimately creates the universe in your own head even yeah. the fact that do you hear distinct characters voices like <laughs> this person sounds like this this person sounds like this in your head when you're reading a story yeah so it's like it's you the world you create in a lot of ways mm -hmm. um i like that uh going back to the the idea of the proxy it's interesting that uh artaxis the horse when artaxis Artax, yeah or, or sorry when artax the horse uh now gets consumed in the mm -hmm. this the pit of sadness and you're like that was from okay i'm i'm yeah that was like that was a sad moment it was a quite yeah. a sad moment and it, it's, were you expect did you ever hear about that scene i don't i can't say if i remember yeah that remember hearing about that scene but you're like oh no the horse is gone yeah and i'm like oh snap uh in terms of traumatizing death scenes uh where would you rank that one Ooh. like comparing it to other deaf scenes in children's movies old yeller bambi's mom littlefoot's mom simba's dad <laughs> yeah. oh man i like how would you where would you rank that because for me i do remember watching that scene that was very intense for me as a kid i don't think i ran away crying from it mm -hmm. but it's just it's it's definitely a scene that sticks with you, right? Because killing a child's pet in a movie, yeah. it, like, again, that's another cardinal rule, right? You you don't kill the, you do not kill the dog, mm -hmm. right? And our, our text, that's just, you know, a horse. That's just another beloved animal for mm -hmm. children. So you do not kill the horse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, <laughs> they do I, can't, I don't know where I would rank it. Um, kind of reminds me of my, one of my friends from was telling me years ago when he he was a kid when the first transformers movie came out mm -hmm. and uh spoiler alert uh they killed optimus prime <laughs> yeah. for like 20 minutes and he said that like <laughs> it was a sea of boys weeping oh really that's awesome i love it oh my god so sad I'm like i love but you, it like, literally killed off optimus prime yeah like, oh my goodness so like yeah, I don't. I I don't know where I would rank it. Um, yeah, because I, I honestly don't remember how I felt when uh, Simba Simba died or Mufasa died. Uh, sorry, Muf sorry, Mufasa died or Bambi. I don't. I don't. Don't remember that far back. Uh, how I felt that far back, to be completely honest. Really? Yeah. I like. I I remember I seeing those movies, but yeah, I don't think I had like a super deep emotional response when. Really? Yeah, not not the same way other people yeah. have. Yeah, I feel like, especially when you're a kid and you're, yeah, grasping just concept of death. Mm -hmm. Like, the idea that they're not going to be there anymore, mm -hmm. right? They're just gone. Mm -hmm. um, it's always pretty intense, yeah. I think. They don't, they don't necessarily have to be a traumatizing scene, but it's, you always, there's always that ping you feel mm -hmm. but with artex yeah i do remember that one affected me a lot mm. yeah and it was always like i always considered it like the scary scene um mm. yeah i i think yeah like there's that other villain in this movie the wolf creature yeah he's not that that menacing i don't re ever remember being scared of that i don't think the wolf is very scary he's just he's a figure within the movie specifically i feel he's more of a figure of I want to see the Knights of Ren. 
in the Star Wars. Okay. The new trilogy. Oh my goodness. Uh, okay. It's like you've made up to be these great villains, and then really they're not not nothing that that great in terms of. Yeah. I... Of uh, con like they're inconsequential in many ways. I guess. But I guess I guess for the the wolf, he was just more so the the idea that the doom and gloom is coming like he he's the the embodiment of yeah he's the soldier of the nothing basically yeah Yeah. uh man i this movie i I really like how philosophical this movie is and even just like the fact that uh bastion's mom passes away and it like that is the horse um artax is like kind of like his mom dying he like he really emphasizes with i didn't even yeah that's such an obvious connection Yeah. yeah so like there's a lot of things you can just see him like even just like when you like the personifying like having even this terms of representation like being able to relate to a character even when the uh why am i bad okay i didn't sleep well last night it's okay um atreyu you when he goes to the mirror and he can see bastion yeah that's a great shot yeah and it's just like bastion's like that'd be so weird reading a book about you reading like somebody's looking at you that would be like yeah that'd be trippy yeah and i can only imagine being a kid Mm -hmm. in the audience at that time yeah what in 1984 it's like this is breaking my brain i know like for little kids that must have been such a moment for them Mm -hmm. in the theater i was like not even born when this movie was Mm -hmm. made when this movie was released Mm -hmm. so um speaking of the mom Mm -hmm. so they said bastion says he gave the child empress his mother's name Mm -hmm. but he shouts out moon child maybe that's maybe she was a hippie i don't (laughs) yeah i i was like what (laughs) that's so weird okay all right sure maybe she was just a hippie um like it's interesting too in terms of how this movie deals with boyhood compared Mm -hmm. to the goonies Mm -hmm. right they deal with it in very different ways Mm -hmm. i feel like with the goonies again that's like even though both these movies are like fantasy type movies, mm-hmm. um, never ending story, it's literally fantasy. But like with the Goonies, I feel like it fulfills the ideal of what American boyhood is supposed to be. Like you're out there with your pals and you're off on this big adventure hunting for treasure and fighting mm-hmm. criminals, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, again, with Never Ending Story, it's a way more contemplative movie. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I think it kind of... It kind of challenges the expectations of what boys were supposed to be back in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, especially at the beginning in the kitchen scene, mm-hmm. He tells his dad, I had like another dream about mom. Mm-hmm. And the dad's basically like, get over it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, I think even you mentioning earlier that there's this movie, we found contrasting movies about like, mm-hmm. there's the the group and then it's all the way to the loner. So this is a, mm-hmm. very much a movie about the loner and how a, a loner relates to life. Right. So I like I I won't say I was uh, like a, a loner necessarily, but it, there's been times in certain contexts I've yeah. been, been more solo than I've been with with a group, and it's interesting because like this is a very much so a movie about just the idea of men. How do men grieve, or how do boys grieve? Yeah. Because Bastion, like his dad's, like you don't the dad could be in like complete and other turmoil, realistically. Of course. And but he's just like. 
I can't be in complete and utter turmoil because there's things that need to be done, so I need to move on. Right. And I think this movie is a very much so uh, the idea of moving on. Even uh, just looking at the idea of the nothing. The uh, nothing mm-hmm. is, like, his dad's talking to him at the beginning of the movie. It's like, you're not doing the stuff in the school. You're not doing this. You didn't join the swim team. I'm disappointed. And it's like, but yeah. nothing's overtaking him. It's like he's so consumed with grief, he can't function anymore. So yeah. he has to, like, come to the point where he can learn to grieve. And I think even just acknowledging that. No, if anything, I think the dad needs to learn to grieve. Well, it, yeah, but this is yeah. not the dad's story as much no, so as of it is Bastion's at this for this iteration of the... But it's, it's like for him, Bastion, he needs to come to the... He's been like, I think what I, I see is like he's so overcome with grief. He just needs to... I think needs he needs hope. He needs hope. Exactly. I think he needs an outlet mm-hmm. in order to deal and confront his grief which mm-hmm. is what the never-ending story is for him mm-hmm. basically right yeah um yeah the fact that he is that he is very much embodying a treyu mm-hmm. and a treyu literally has to fight the nothing yeah and save the kingdom and also again uh, another connection to the mother uh save uh, the child empress mm. who ends up getting his mother's name. Mm-hmm. So in a way, saving this little girl is almost kind of like him making up for the fact that he couldn't save his mom. Yeah. From whatever, yeah. you know, vague illness, vague movie illness yeah. she died from. You just know she's gone. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Can we talk about the breakfast smoothie that the dad was making? The orange juice and egg? Yeah, what the freaking, f- what like, the hell? What is that? What is that? Like, I don't I don't know how to get such a like Yeah, like uh anybody who's listening can do you, is it a white people thing? I don't know. <laughs> like, I, said, I don't I've never said, like I I get that raw egg can, like I don't eat, I myself, I don't even actually mind the texture and taste of raw egg. I, mm. I'll i drink it. But why would you put it in orange juice? Honestly, I is d- it a That thing? is the thing. Like, I've, I've still, you see these things of boxers drinking, like, a bunch of raw eggs. Yeah, and yeah. And Rocky and whatnot. But, like, that was orange such, juice? It's just such a weird, distracting thing to have. Like, I get that you wanted your character to fix himself up a breakfast mm-hmm. while they're exchanging dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. So audiences will have a thing to look at, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing they teach you in film school. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just like the most random thing to have him crack an egg and, into a, into the blender with orange juice. I'm like, what is he doing? It just kind of distracted me from the emotional scene. Mm. Yeah, I just found that so yeah, funny. Yeah, I was like, why is... That's a strange thing to, to yeah. consume for breakfast. Okay. Like, isn't toast sufficient? Yeah, exactly. But why not fry the egg and fry eat the, the egg, egg and drink the orange juice? I know, but right? It's like, maybe it's just more efficient for him. But I, it's, I guess there's some of those things that are like, mm-hmm. would it actually taste bad? I don't want to venture to investigate personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's always there's certain foods you like, even certain cultural, people's culture of food, you're like, that combination of things does not look appetizing and when you try it you're like oh it's actually more satisfying well in the south i know they have a peanut butter mayonnaise sandwich which apparently is delicious i'm still afraid to try it like i have the ingredients right now i don't know if i'd be willing to peanut butter and cheese sandwich ew that is surprisingly decent i I guess i can see that because it's like 
if you just think of it as like nuts with cheese, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll eat nuts and cheese together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was weird. I, I remember my my best friend in elementary school, he's like, had, had a, um, what's it called, peanut butter and cheese sandwich. I'm like, this, like, I that looks off- offensive to me. And he's like, try it. It's good. And I tried it. And I'm like, it is good. You don't really t- distinctly taste. I like, think... the, the flavors are actually pretty, pretty parallel. It was the, like the, the marble cheese. Right, because so, cheese can be salty too. Yeah, so, so it, the the flavors are rather complementary, and it was kind of yeah weird because like, and the texture is actually quite nice as well. I'm like, is this it? Is, I yeah. feel like the texture would freak me out, but yeah. But the weirdest sandwich I had was my, one of my friends years later. He peanut butter jelly and bologna, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Are you insane?" Yeah, like lit. I was like, I tried it. And I'm like, it's not as bad. It's just mm-hmm. the, the bologna, it just adds a little bit more savoriness and it, like a smoother texture to the... Okay. It's strange. I'm like, I don't... like. It's one of those brain-breaking foods. You're like, I, I, I was wrong. I was like, yeah. I wish I wasn't, but I was wrong. You know what? If anybody's going to make that sandwich, it's going to be Bastion's dad. <laughs> He's just going to yeah, make that. Yeah, drink his... it with his egg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Drink your egg, son. Shut up about your dead mom. <laughs> I also want to talk about the kitchen that they were in. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that was such a throwback to me. I had those cupboards in my kitchen. Oh, I grew up in a kitchen looking like that with the exact same cupboard doors mm-hmm. with like the wooden like the, the, the slats where you grab the slats. Them. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so that was so great. And like another cool piece of trivia, this um, the real world scenes in this mm-hmm. movie filmed in our home town vancouver yeah. uh like all over the place like i know the school i think it's called the queen mary elizabeth school that's in north vancouver mm-hmm. uh, i've never seen it that's way too far mm. away for me um but the bully chasing scene right at the beginning gas that town. is gas town I, I, that was it's so like... cool to see mm-hmm. he like we walk down that place all the time yeah it's just like it's weird seeing someplace you know in in a in a movie yeah, but yeah, like, um, I think this movie ages well. Mm. It's definitely, I don't know if I could show this to a young kid. I mean, I guess every kid is different, mm-hmm. right? But like, because it is a slow movie. It is a slow I've, burn. It is a slow burn. Um, Like, I guess you would think at least the fantastical aspects of this movie will keep the kids engaged but yeah i would definitely wouldn't recommend it to like a a kid who was like usually very hyper or had problems paying attention i mean i i considered myself as a kid who had trouble paying attention but for me though you put me in front of a movie though mm-hmm. as a kid then i am locked in mm-hmm. and loaded in school no no not at all but mm-hmm. like you put me in front of a tv uh, yeah you could not tear me away mm-hmm. and yeah i'm glad this was definitely a movie i grew up with mm-hmm. like in terms of i yeah iconic mm-hmm. children's films yeah mm-hmm. this was a good one to have um, what did you think of the casting choice for a tray? <laughs> Speaking of, again, uh, this movie being a, a thing of its time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, 
very Caucasian looking uh, yeah. Native American just kid. Put the kid in the sun for a few hours. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. He's, he's good. Lucky, he's a little bit tan. He's brunette. It's close enough. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those weird situations. Like, was I don't know why they couldn't have casted. Yeah, an actual uh, Native American kid. Like, it, I, I, uh, gee, I, I wonder why, Caleb. <laughs> but uh, for what it's worth, the performances yeah. again done by everybody in this mm-hmm. movie is great. Um, very emotional performances yeah. from the kids. They asked these kids to do a lot. They were crying yeah. and screaming. Uh, the kid who played Atreyu, Noah Hathaway. Mm-hmm. Um, First off, like, at the expense of sounding like a pervert, like, gosh, if I was a younger little girl, maybe if I had watched this kid, watched this movie when I was slightly older, maybe when I was, like, maybe around eight mm. or something, I think I would have totally had the hots for a train mm. you. What a dreamy-looking little boy. He was a handsome kid, yeah. Yeah, and the hair on the kid is mm. so silky. Yeah, I remember uh, I had a friend in high school uh-huh. who had, like, he, my friend's hair was longer than that, but it was like that kind of this like full body, literally did no work, didn't like shampoo he it consistently. Just woke up like it that. was like yeah. that, and you're, you're, the girls spend hours literally trying to like comb their hair and of like course. work, and he was just like, eh. yeah. And he's like, he's like, we always always called his like his locks of hair, yeah, like, <laughs> deep great. brown locks. Like, guy, you had. Yeah, that's you great. You won the genetic lottery there. <laughs> I definitely. Well, with uh, Noah Hathaway too. Um, yeah, they asked him to do a lot. Yeah. The the screaming and the crying during the swamp of sadness scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and then the same with uh, the guy Barrett Oliver who played Bastion. Yeah. He had a lot of crying scenes too. Yeah. Yeah, that. W- that's a lot to get from ch- child actors. Yeah, I, I really like the uh, Barrett asked uh, Oliver. Sorry. Yeah, Barrett, Barrett Oliver. Oliver. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Names. Um, his performance was really good. I, I really feel like he really felt like he was the like he was going through all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. What did I? How did you feel about the uh, the old man in the bookstore? Yeah, it's like okay, boomer. <laughs> I love- characters like him yeah i do like uh, again i would hope that i didn't turn completely into this guy i would still want at his age to still be Mm open-minded and be enthusiastic for young people because you should Mm -hmm. you're the i don't think that is a duty that should ever end for elders Mm -hmm. is that you need to watch out for young people and encourage them and guide them Mm -hmm. right um, but I could totally understand why he, like, um, his bookstore was probably just, overrun with kids at one point in time and they went to the comic store. And... Yeah, pretty much. Or he's just fed up with life and mm-hmm. he, he knows what he likes and he's going to stick to it. I mm-hmm. get it. Yeah. But like, no, he had hope for Bastion. He yeah. totally, you know, he was in on it. Mm-hmm. He was just like, don't you, whatever you do, kid. Don't you. Steal this book right here. I'm putting it right yeah. here as I answer that phone and we'll have my back turned to you. Yeah. Make sure you don't take this book and go home and read it. Yeah, I've only made this book sound like the most dangerous, exciting thing you could ever come across. But don't you a dare read it. It's like, okay. No. <laughs> yeah, I love I, it. I even, I, <coughs> thinking about it, the idea that the... Uh, 
um, the idea that the the book was was unsafe. I, I like even thinking about what what happens and what transpires in the book. You're like, ah, oh, I get what he was talking about. It's just like Bastion had to go on a, like a personal emotional journey in order to read that book. It wasn't a safe book. Like it, like even that the conversation he had is like, you can stop reading it and you're not engaged in it. Like this book wasn't that. This book actually included him, and it. it was like he, he he was in the text. Yeah, like you're the story. Kid. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting, and it, it one actually it's. It, like it gets there's a second book like the second movie sorry and yeah it'd be interesting i haven't seen that one either yeah so i don't know if he is he a character that pops in the second movie i'm pretty sure the book owner pops up yeah. again yeah but the fact that he was reading it beforehand like how does that affect him so i wonder what yeah like, I, I don't know how i, how, I like, feel like it's the type of book where it's different for each reader mm. which again that is very much the nature of reading a book. That's fair, yeah. Right. It could be the same book, but it's going to be very different for every single reader mm-hmm. out there, um, which is why interpretations of the Bible is so messed up. Mm. <laughs> so, no, yeah. It, it, it Again, yeah, this movie, it, it's very multi-layered. Mm-hmm. It, it speaks about the nature of storytelling and grief and overcoming grief. Yeah. And, um uh, another thing that I thought was very, again, heady for a children's movie, when Atreyu has to pass those three tests, mm. and the second test, after he manages to survive the the laser-shooting statues yeah. with the breasts, yeah. um, uh, he has to look into that mirror. Mm-hmm. And if he cannot run away from what he sees, mm-hmm. that means he's past it. Because, mm-hmm. like, what was it that old elf man was saying? That mm-hmm. kind men have approached that mirror and realized that they were terrible human beings. Yeah. Or brave men would run away screaming yeah. from what they that's see in that mirror. Too. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, that's... Yeah, that's. Could you imagine if there was a mirror that actually did that, could actually see? I I don't I don't know if I could look into it, man. man. I would be. I don't think I would trust myself. That is a lot. Just make sure that everybody in the world had to go to that mirror at one point in time just to confront yourself. Yeah, maybe that should be the test at the pearly gates, (laughs) right? It should be the test at the White House. Yeah, you think? Good God, that's fantastic. <laughs> but I thought that was just, um, yeah, that was just a really profound thing to put in a movie. Yeah, uh, yeah to put in any story, let alone a children's story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the idea of like um, self-reflection mm-hmm. and seeing if you can come to terms with all of yourself, including the worst parts of yourself, mm. I think. And then Bastion was what he saw. And Bastion was what he saw. And it's like he he came to terms with it. Like, even... Yeah. Yeah. Actually, no, it's interesting because when Bastion first read the thing, he threw the book. Yeah. Because he was like, this is getting weird. Weird. Like, this is too much, man. <laughs> yeah. But it was cool, too. Now that you bring that up, when he sees himself, when Atreyu sees himself as a little boy, that is a complete juxtaposition of when he's first introduced right when he approaches Mm, right yeah when he 
he approaches the court or whatnot in the palace and then everyone says you're just a little boy and he's like nope i am a warrior but no he's still just a little boy inside Mm -hmm. in spite of his bravery which is valid Mm -hmm. but he is a little boy Mm. right so yeah man this yeah this this movie movie it's 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 deep i really liked it for its deep and you just have to sit it's one of those movies where i think it it, the fact that it's slow and it like it's a slow burn Uh really lends to being just fairly introspective and contemplating the the structure of the story and the themes the the imagery I, I, I genuinely Goonies really invigorates that part of me that like mm-hmm. wants to go on adventure and then uh, the never ending story really invigorates the part of me that likes to analyze and dissect things and observe yeah. the innermost workings of things so it's I, I think in terms of the movies we selected for one another like I think it was like really good I think so I don't think I even yeah, that just happened accidentally yeah. too, right? Yeah, both eighties movies. Yeah, eighties like, oh, movies. Really great eighties movies. Yeah, um, but yeah, I I really much enjoyed the experiences of watching these two movies back to back. I just wish I had loved the Goonies mm-hmm. because I see how much joy it brings to people. And mm-hmm. then even recently during the quarantine, mm-hmm. Josh Gad got yeah. the whole crew together, yeah. the whole cast. And even Spielberg mm-hmm. and Donner together to talk about the movie, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I just wish I liked, liked it as much as everybody else did. But I think maybe it's just due to age and whatnot. Mm. And like a friend of mine, he once explained it very well to me. He was like, the reason why you don't, you might not enjoy the classics as much as everybody else is that... Um, You've seen those ideas, you've seen those ideas and tropes repeated so many times in the movies that followed it Mm -hmm. that you're probably just used to it now. Mm. So then seeing the original thing might not be that, uh, might not have the same wow factor Mm -hmm. because you've already seen it recycled again and again and again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the projects that yeah, followed sure. it, right? Yeah, I would also venture to say that a lot of it might be that the way stories are told now are very different than the way yeah. stories were told then. Like, I don't know, I don't know if there's any kids movie right now that is as like high energy, everybody talking over each other and like do, rambunctious as the Goonies is. Do they even like? Do they even make? Can you think of the last kids' movies that that can even stand up to either of these two? The last one I can think of is Coraline. I'm just, I'm trying. Like the uh, stop. The, the stop motion one. But, um, uh, and Paranorman again, another stop motion. But in terms of like live action movies. In terms of live action, what live I, action kids movies have there been in the past? There's probably a few, but I can't, I can't quite think. Like within the last ten years, I'm trying really hard to think. I feel like. Maybe we're just old. Diane. Maybe we're just really old. Yeah. Um, like I can think of plenty of '90s kids movies that, mm. of course, again formed my childhood. Jumanji is a great one. Jumanji is a beautiful yeah. movie. That movie is like the CG has not aged well, and so there's some aspects of it you're like, this is really dated, but it's still such a great ride. It's a great one. Oh my goodness, Jumanji is good. Yeah, but I, I guess the remake of Jumanji would that be considered a kids movie? But there's no kids in it. That's the thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Have you watched the new Jumanji? 
Uh, no. It's, it's... I hear it's good. It's, it's a good sequel because it does, it doesn't take, it takes from what... Is it an actual sequel? Is it connected? Yeah, it's connected to it. It's connected to the Robin Williams version? Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, wow. it's, it's, uh, it's, the way they, they connect it is quite, quite interesting. Okay. And it, it, the thing I like about it is that it honors the concept of the old thing, but it does something new for itself. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it's, I think it's a worthy successor. Okay. Particularly for, contextualizing it for today's audience, as I would say. Yeah. Yeah. But, Yeah. Well, maybe it might be added to the list. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, certainly uh, this will not be our last 80s edition. Yes. 80s nostalgic trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I really enjoyed these two movies. Yeah, same here. Yeah. So until next time. Until next time. Until next time. Everyone, thank you for listening. If you have any thoughts on these movies, uh, please share your experiences with us. Um, and if you can explain to us what the hell was up with the orange juice and the egg smoothie, we would very much appreciate that too. Maybe even more so. So yeah. as, uh, other than that, everyone, please take care during these precarious times. Stay safe. Wear your freaking mask, for God's sakes. And that's it. And watch movies. And watch movies. Bye. Bye.